Welcome back to McLean's on the Hill. I'm Cormac McSweeney, Parliament Hill Bureau Chief for City News and Rogers Radio. Coming up on our show, just how long should you wait to drive after smoking marijuana? And what's the safer way to consume the drug? We'll speak with the author of new cannabis guidelines from medical associations. And later, we'll see why some architects are upset with a new indigenous center across from Parliament Hill. But first. This week, McLean senior writer Paul Wells had taken a trip to Latvia in order to check out Canada's new mission in that country as a part of a grander NATO mission to try and counter aggressions from Russia to Eastern European nations. And Paul joins me now to chat a little bit about his trip and what he learned uh, from speaking with uh, some high-level military officials, both Canadian and NATO. So, Paul, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks. What did you learn on your trip? What did you get to experience when you were out there? It was kind of a whirlwind uh, couple of days in Central and Eastern Europe on uh, Monday, I was in Latvia, where the Canadian-led battle group, 450 Canadian soldiers from the Princess Patricias, uh, are leading uh, uh, an 1,100-soldier uh, battle group stationed to defend Latvia against, frankly, Russian aggression. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a major contribution by Canada to this NATO effort. There are four battle groups across the region. The um, the, the Brits are in Estonia, the Germans are in Lithuania, the Americans are leading a battle group in Poland, and the Canadians in Latvia. And they had the welcoming ceremony, so we saw essentially the welcome parade. Uh, and I also spoke to uh, uh, senior officials, uh, Harjit Sajan, the defense minister, was over there, uh, uh, Jonathan Vance, the chief of defense staff, and Jens Stoltenberg, the secretary general of NATO, on the significance of this mission. The battle group, uh, the battle groups we have deployed, or we uh, we have deployed to the Baltic countries and Poland, uh, are only part of a bigger picture. Uh, we have significantly increased our ability to reinforce uh, if uh, needed, uh, with the tripling of the NATO response force to forty thousand troops, and a new spearhead force, uh, a brigade that can be deployed within uh, a few days. Then we have also improved the way uh, we link NATO forces, multinational forces, uh, to home defense forces, uh, Polish forces, uh, Baltic forces, with the new uh, NATO force integration units, small headquarters, which are linking up the NATO forces uh, to the uh, home defense forces. And, uh, and, uh, and then behind that, of course, we also have the, what we call the follow-on forces, uh, which can then uh, reinforce uh, even more if there is a need. So, the important thing with the battle groups is that they are, uh, they are uh, combat-ready, well-equipped, well-trained, uh, and, and they are multinational, sending a clear signal about NATO unity, about uh, that one, an attack on one ally will be regarded as an attack on the whole alliance, uh, uh, and, they, and they are able to, uh, to defend, but more importantly, the presence of uh, the battle groups in the Baltic region and Poland uh, provide deterrence, and the purpose of that is to prevent the conflict uh, by sending a clear message that uh, an attack on uh, any of the Baltic countries or any other NATO ally will trigger a response from all ally. That's really interesting. And Paul, this isn't just a traditional military operation in, in the sense that most Canadians are used to. What else is involved with all of this? Well, there are new dimensions, uh, and and things that we've seen in recent uh, uh, electoral 
confrontations, the United States in France and elsewhere, uh, uh, cyber warfare, uh, disinformation campaigns, spreading rumors. Uh, there was a, a false rumor that a German soldier was involved in a rape in Lithuania that was designed to uh, increase uh, uh, mistrust uh, against the, you know, quote-unquote German occupiers there. And the Canadians are uh, very concerned that that sort of thing might uh, might be tried against the Canadian troops there. And Jonathan Vance, the chief of the Canadian Defence Staff, told me that uh, for that reason, there are going to be constant and uh, and 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 uh, serious efforts to ensure that Canadians uh, don't get in trouble, don't give a pretext uh, f- for this kind of trumped-up incident, and uh, and on the contrary, get along very well with their Latvian hosts. Uh, I do hope that you know a, a really good bond is created between Canada and Latvia. Like really, uh, we've got families living here. Uh, and over time, more families will live here. So there'll be Canadian uh, kids graduating from Latvian high schools. Uh, there'll be people making best friends. Uh, Latvia will be important to a lot of people for a long time. Uh, and Canada will be uh, important to Latvians. So it's, it's more than just, I mean, the, the question points to the fact that this is more than just in the field and training. There's a, there's a wider effort here. I will tell you that we're going to do our very best to uh, bring hockey uh, to Latvia. We're going to, uh, in fact, we're going to have some meetings with uh, some of the, the senior Latvian leadership in sports. Uh, we really would like to try and contribute to Latvian minor hockey uh, so that the, their kids get a bit of taste of Canada. We'll bring over some marquee players at some point, and uh, yeah, Latvia is hockey crazy, and they know Canadian hockey very well. So we're going to make that uh, kind of an important uh, way to kind of break the ice between Canada and Latvia. Paul, the Diplomacy factor is really interesting and obviously necessary in a situation like this. But looking at the military aspect of all of this, you've got, you know, 400, 450 Canadian soldiers. You've got 5,000 soldiers uh, across the border with Russia. But in the grand scale of things, that doesn't really seem like a lot. Is it enough? Well, it is pretty thin on the ground, especially when we consider that in the, the so-called ZAPAD exercise in, the, in September, the Russians are going to be fielding between 50 and 100,000 soldiers in an extended war game, something they do every year. Uh, so it's between uh, 10 to 1 and 20 to 1 if you, if you look at soldier to soldier. But you have to keep in mind uh, the, the, the military ventures that Vladimir Putin has indulged so far in uh, backwoods like uh, northern Georgia and eastern Ukraine, where there was almost no organized military opposition at all. Uh, Putin likes to pick the low-hanging fruit. He likes to go where it's easy. And, and, and what the soldiers of NATO are doing now that they're in charge and that the politicians of NATO have taken a bit of a backseat is they're working hard every day to refine uh, their methods of working together, to conceive of these four very different countries as a single battle space, to practice getting familiar with the, 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 the crucial parts of, the, of that territory and to um, ensure that in any real confrontation, any uh, real in, invading force would take just a hell of a hit. And as we heard from uh, Jens Stoltenberg, the NATO Secretary General, it's not just these 5,000 troops in these forward, these forward bases. Behind them, there's a 5,000-troop uh, uh, rapid response mission that NATO keeps operating at all times. Behind that is a 40,000-troop uh, reserve that, that NATO has and some of the most sophisticated military equipment in the world. I saw a B-1 bomber when I was in Lithuania. The upshot of this is that 
these 450 Canadian troops and their 5,000 uh, colleagues from, from 20 countries are essentially the tripwire of a much more elaborate, much more, frankly, brutal uh, military apparatus that is waiting to be uh, called into action if, if, if ever it were required. What was the morale of the troops like? I think they're still sort of um, figuring out what their meth- mission is going to be. One of the things that really struck me is that a lot of the individual soldiers, especially at the command level that I spoke to, came up and really learned the soldiering trade in Afghanistan, in the Canadians' case, and in Afghanistan and Iraq, in the case of some Americans that I spoke to. Um, so they're used to fighting counterinsurgency. They're used to uh, fighting against uh, disorganized, poorly equipped, uh, uh, highly improvisational forces like, uh, like Al-Qaeda uh, and the Iraqi insurgency. Um, this would be a very different combat. They would be fighting uh, 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 tooth and nail against a, a Russian army that is uh, comparably sophisticated and brings heavy, heavy firepower. It would be a very different kind of conflict. Uh, and so they're bringing these instincts that were honed in combat in Afghanistan and to some extent in Iraq to a very different battle space. And obviously what they really hope is that they'll never have to use the skills that they brought with them and that they're acquiring in place now. The whole point of deterrence is you try and avoid a conflict by making everyone believe that you're ready to fight that conflict if need be. All right. Paul Wells, thank you very much. If you want to read his piece on his trip to Latvia, check it out on mcleans.ca. Coming up on McLean's on the Hill, a year before legalization, we speak with the author of new marijuana guidelines aimed at helping users reduce the risks of consuming cannabis. And later, why the dedication of a new indigenous space across from Parliament Hill is upsetting some indigenous architects. 